Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, the mystery mist, lay thy blanket upon these paths. Make glowworms from the street lamps and cover over time and speed alike. Silence the night and part yourself to persuade my sen in pints. Bring forth the moon underwater. celebrations of the first in port what a maypole we have uh, out in the back of the moon underwater it goes right through the ceiling of the gazebo and many children in the uh, correct realm have been playing with sort of spring and summer dances alike a lot of ribbons involved um, an awful lot of uh, blue sky and clouds and the ribbons sort of quite remarkably reaching up high many 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 miles into the sky uh, with the children attached but all in a very sort of safe controlled way uh, the children floating around creating plats on a maypole which i certainly can't see the end of and what better way to bring in the promise of summer here at the moon underwater a fantasy pub where i john robbins am the landlord and I invite guests every week to create their dream pub. But I wouldn't be able to do it alone. I certainly wouldn't be able to make sure the Maypole was being uh, adequately manned uh, without my partner in pints, the lovely Mr. Robin Allender. Hello, Robin. Hello. How have you enjoyed the festivities out of the garden today? Very good. I mean... I mean, it's not going to turn all wicker man, is it? We're not having any human sacrifices or anything like that. Not at all. No, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. Yeah, humans are going to be created uh, through the maypole dance, which is a fertility dance. It is, yeah. yeah. And we do wish fertility to everyone in the correct realm. <laughs> um, though there's something about the, the sort of the air here. I think gives you a little bit of extra zhuzh. Really? Um, every now and then. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought so. Well, like oysters. Yes, there's sort of oysters in the air. Oyster air. Yeah, and they sort of fly past and you catch one in your gob and swallow <laughs> it down. We should start doing oysters at the moon underwater, actually. Yeah, do you like oysters? Well, I'll answer that question with another question. Okay. Do you like bad oysters? 
Well, I'm not sure I've... I don't know if I can tell the difference between a good one and a bad one, other than a bad one would probably make you violently ill. Well, I don't necessarily mean ill, but I've had oysters and just found them disgusting. And then I've had... I had oysters in New York at several places and found them... found them delightful. But I wonder if it's something in the way they're presented, like they should look super fresh. They should be presented on crushed ice. Mm-hmm. And not have too much sort of seawater in them. You like a bit of Tabasco on mm. everything you eat, yeah. don't you? So... Tabasco and that sort of shallot vinegar pickle. You oh, know, that yeah. sort of shallots very very thinly diced in a sort of vinegar that turns slightly red with the red of the shallots. Bit of Tabasco. Mm. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. John carries around a little kind of uh, a little plastic bag filled with sachets of Tabasco sauce, don't you? Mm. And other condiments as well. Let's let's not forget sauces red and brown, soy, mustard and vinegar. <laughs> just a normal man. Just a normal guy trying to <laughs> trying to just make his own way in life. Just an innocent man. Good to see you back here at the Moon Underwater, Robin. Thank you. I uh, was wondering when you'd arrive today, because I've been spending, obviously, most of the time out back with the children, who are now just at play on the ground, which I think is uh, absolutely fitting, as the as the light fades and they drink their Cokes and lemonades through straws. Uh, but I heard you sighing while I was out back. A big, enormous sigh. Yes, I sighed for the mist, as is my want. And what, what mist availed ye? Well, the first mist I'd like to discuss is... You may remember a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I really liked an Italian lager called Menabrea, but couldn't find it on tap anywhere. Well, I know the two places, I've been with you the two times you found it on tap. And I remember when, when we walked into, um, it was Renato's in Bristol. Oh, yeah. Years ago. And I just remember yeah. you walking to the bar and going, yes! <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something I would say. <laughs> but um, I had a, I mean... This is probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. I had um, a really nice message from Dan Cotter, whose agency, Badaboom, work alongside the team at Menabrea. They basically do a lot of importing of nice beers and things like that. And he's basically, well, to start with, he sent me 48 bottles of Menabrea. Brilliant. Which is amazing. And some cool T-shirts. And look at this. He sent me a little postcard map with every place in London that sells Menabrea. Oh, that's nice. Which is astonishing. So just thanks so much to Dan and everyone at Badaboom. Check them out. They do some great work with nice beers. Um, and, and I didn't know about Menabrea, actually, that it's a... Let's find the little thing he said. It's a crisp, refreshing beer brewed at the foot of the Italian Alps with glacial alpine water and aged in the complex cave system beneath... Italy's oldest continuously producing brewery. So it's quite good when you like a beer that actually has got good provenance. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. And it's not just someone going, oh, so glad you like the beer we sort of uh, brainstormed in 2005. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It shows maybe I do have good taste. So no wonder your sigh was so big, Robin, because the mist brought with it 48 bottles of Menabrea. (laughs) Absolutely stunning. But I did have a couple of other great mists here. Um, This one is really good. It's from Neil. And Neil says, I'm a Leeds lad and a regular visitor to the Mighty White Locks. Mm. Love it there. A great pub reveal. But I was recently in Knightsbridge, Belgravia for an event at the Danish Embassy. I know, get me. And wanted a proper London pub for after. I wasn't hopeful given the upmarket neighbourhood. What I found was two fantastic pubs. 
both with brilliant reveals that I'm sure you would appreciate. The first was the Star Tavern Belgravia, a handsome Fuller's pub on a cobbled Muse Street, where I had a brilliantly kept pint of London pride. The second pub, the Grenadier on Wilton Row, was an absolute belter down a long winding cobbled muse. Oh, love, love the love the recurrent muses here. Yeah, the cobbled muse. A cobbled muse with a dead end. Oh. It seemed unlikely that a pub would be at the end of it, but then it did reveal itself. What a reveal. A very small and very cute little place, ceiling plastered with foreign currency, lots of grenadier-related memorabilia, with a small bar at the front and dining at the back. I had a gorgeous pint of Best Bitter brewed by Woodford's, who brewed the famous Wherry, had a few messages about that, and felt like a very lucky man. If you or Robin are ever in the neighbourhood, I implore you to visit them. Superb. Lots of love. Keep churning it out. <laughs> like that. Keep churning it out. Oh, great. <laughs> Thank you for bringing the images of cobbled muses into oh, my yes. mind. And this is a very, very nice uh, missed mail we've had in from Tom, which relates to your birthday bash the other weekend. Dearest John and Robin, I hope this mist finds you well. I've been intending to write in for some time, ever since John mentioned in his lockdown runs to the park gate. The park gate? I ran to a gate about five times in lockdown <laughs> as part of a as part of a fitness a new fitness regime. <laughs> I don't know why that tickled me. Um <laughs> I am an Antipodean, but my grandparents lived in Little Chalfont for 60 plus years, and it is close to my favourite place in the world. Not being a long time listener at that point, I did not know what beautiful part of the world John lived, but every time he mentioned his runs to the park gates, all I could picture was the common at the end of the street where my grandparents lived uh, in Little Chalfont. It was a great joy for me to learn that I was within 8km of being correct. Growing up in the 70s, my dad worked at the Swan Inn, Amersham High Street. Ah. Is that the one that's a hotel? Uh, don't know. It's definitely got a rest. It's a big restaurant vibe. A restaurant one, yeah. It's not the Four Weddings one? No. Oh. Um, if he is to believe during the American Bicentenary, a rowdy group of Americans came in for a celebratory drink, only to have it pointed out to them that the pub within which they were standing was at least 400 years old, and you don't hear anyone shouting about it. <laughs> <laughs> Like that. Uh, the chef used to hold back three steaks every night for the staff behind the bar, and no one would be able to buy them for love nor money. That's very nice. Perhaps Jeremy Clarkson ran into the same chef some 40 years later with headline-inducing consequences. The prompt to write in, however, was the mention of the White Lion, which was the lovely pub we went to that did fantastic Spanish food for John's birthday. This was my grandparents' favourite pub. And even though you had to pass many a good pub, including another white lion, which is where our friend Phil accidentally went to. Yeah, the cab driver dropped him off at the wrong white lion. <laughs> yeah. To get to the pub in Tring, they would invariably pop over once a week, even going so far as to try to organise Christmas lunch in the pub when cooking became too difficult in their later years. It was so nice to hear two people whose opinion in pubs I trust confirming my grandparents' choices. Keep up the good work, Tom. That's a lovely message. Oh, thanks, Tom. That's so nice. So very nice. Oh, my God. We went to a few nice pubs this week. We went to the secret pub, didn't we? Yeah, the secret pub. Are you, ever, are you on the threshold of revealing it? or No, no I'm a dweller on the threshold. <laughs> fair, fair, uh, but fair. But I will not fair, pass fair. it. We went to the secret pub and had um, some lovely pints. And what was really nice, I love this, is that when the weather turns and gets warm... Most people, yeah, because most people are, let's be honest, not listeners to this podcast, but most people are quite thick. Um, 
everyone sort of streams out and r- would rather stand in a road yeah. holding a pint leaning against a wheelie bin mm. than sit inside. So the sun's out. It means everyone streams outside, which means the pub inside is completely bereft and tabled. And so we just had our choice of table d'hôtes. It was superb. And yeah, to go in on a busy Friday afternoon and have multiple tables, it was an absolute delight. It certainly was. And then I went on a... A golfing trip to a golf course called the Warwickshire, and we stayed in this really nice hotel because there weren't any rooms at the golf course. And after our sort of round, it had been very hot, and I was just aching for a pint. <laughs> yeah, I got in, and um, you know that sort of slight panic in hotels when you're not quite sure what their selection's going to be. Yeah, because um, you think it'll just be like a lager, and that's and that's it. Mm. They had Guinness and Doombar. And, you know, I'm not the world's biggest fan of Doombar, but it was they had Doombar with a sparkler. Oh, nice. Which I'd never seen before. And I wonder if... So this was a bit near Leamington on Spa, and I wonder if that represents the sort of point from which sparklers are more the norm. Because I said to the landlo- uh, the barman, I said, oh, wow, you've got a sparkler on the Doombar. I'll have a pint of that. And uh, I said, "That's I just never, never seen it served like that." And his response sort of in, suggested that he was like, "What do you mean you haven't seen that? That's everywhere. It's like that." So it'd be good to find the line in the country yeah, at which sparklers become the norm. The borderline. The borderline. The borderland. The hinterland. Yeah, you can imagine Christa Berg singing about it. Yeah, uh, maybe that's I mean, what that song can. is about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so let us know what's the, what's the. Not necessarily what no the further. Great tune. Yeah. Let us know what not what the furthest south you've had a sparkler is, but if you're from around somewhere basically north of the Watford Gap, if or in the Midlands, at what point, if anyone knows where it becomes more common than not to have a sparkler, I'd love to hear. Let us know at John at moonunderpod.com. Um and also send all of your mist to that address. And a reminder that you can head to Patreon. Uh, to find out how to support this pub. We do have exciting live news as well, which will um, interest the patrons, uh, because on Sunday the 3rd of July, we're doing another live show as part of the Orwell Festival, the George Orwell Festival, and Mark Steele will be joining us to create his perfect pub in the Marquis Cornwallis on the 3rd of July. Now, as ever, top-tier patrons get 48-hour pre-sale preferential treatment, Uh, But from Monday the 23rd of May, all other patrons have access to any remaining tickets. So we do hope we'll see you with um, Mark Steele there at the Marquis Cornwallis. And head over to moonunderpod.com to sign up to the Patreon for access to similar events because there will be more coming up, potentially, at the Edinburgh Festival. But now it is time to pack away the Maypole and calm the children down from their playing Uh, so that we can have a ruddy bloody good chat with this week's guest. Oh, Robin, have you noticed what's happened? Yes. Well, what have you noticed? The pinkening clouds. Yes, well, I noticed the pinkening clouds, but something a little bit closer to home. 
Have you noticed some of the beveling? Oh, yeah, I have, actually. Now, yeah, the beveling. Around the previously sharp corners of the bar. Well, the moon underwater has seen it fit, in its own wisdom, to, to bevel some of the edges. But here's what's really caught my attention. Is that, you know the word beveling means to gape open-mouthed, to bevel. Oh, does it really? Well, I th- I've read in some of the tabloids that that's where the word derives from, the Old English to gape and then through the French open-mouthed. Doesn't Bilbo Baggins say something about being within a bevelled edge of a moment's peace or something like that? Um, I don't know that he does. OK. But, well, maybe he does. Um, but the, a lot of the uh, previously square edges that have bevelled themselves ever so... Have... How do you bevel an edge if it's gaping, then? Well, this is the mystery that the moon underwater seems to have solved, because a lot of those now smooth edges have little mouths cut into them. Oh, that's nice. Like the sort of um, mahogany and walnut is singing its own sweet song, in a, in a sense. I'm trying to find the Lord of the Rings quote. I don't think he does say that. You know that bit where he says... where He, he says, when will, I, when will I find rest? Yeah. <laughs> you know the strictly party business only at the start? Yeah. And it's actually Gandalf. He says, he says something like, I would never, you know, the bevel's edge of a moment's peace. He says it very quickly. Oh. Well, we can look into that. Um, uh, we'll call the quote brigade um <laughs> on their emergency number but anyway i'm glad these these mouths are here on the beveled edges agape because they're going to be gaping with joy <laughs> can you gape with joy uh well we shall find out because they'll be gaping with joy at this week's guest <laughs> who has arrived through i think it's some kind of lift contraption like the great glass elevator in uh, charlie and the chocolate factory and the great glass elevator but let's hope she's brought no vicious canids with her, um, because the canids do also inhabit the correct realm, but they tend to be pretty uh, benevolent figures. Uh, welcome into the Moon Underwater author, broadcaster, Susie Gage. Hello, hello. Are the canids all right? The, the canids are all right. I do like that very much. Susie, make yourself at home. Thank you, thank you. Cheers. Uh, what, what do you make of the bevelled, gaping mouths that have uh, sort of... I think they're here for you. Oh, they're beautifully carved. Mm. Whoever, whoever was in charge of that good work. And no sawdust ne'er in sight, as they say. Sorry, I've really got to do this. Um, Bill Baggins says, I've got to get away from these confounded relatives hanging on the bell all day, never giving me a moment's peace. Nothing to ah. do with bevelled edges. Sorry about that. Really had to do that. But that's a nice little egg corn. Yeah. That you thought he he thought he was hanging on the beveled edge of a moment's <laughs> peace. It was Newington Pears all over again. It was Newington Pears. Hanging on the beveled edge of a moment's of peace, that's that's definitely gonna become a phrase in my mind. Yes. Anyway, sorry, Susie. Uh well, Susie, where where would you like to sit this evening? I mean I'm currently at the bar. Robin sat across from the bar. We can move to a booth, we can sit at a table, or we can prop up the bar. I mean, I'm always happy propping up the bar. If it's a stool, it's very nice if it's got a little bit of back support, but um, otherwise I'm not really too fussy. I mean, that sounds quite fussy already, to be fair. I tell you what I find quite stressful is those high stools with a very, very low lumbar support. Mm. Like, they're sort of quite American dinery because they make you think you can lean back. Ooh, 
because that your lower back says, hey, you're in safe hands. And then your upper back, there's nowhere to go. It's like a trust exercise in drama. Mm. Um, but without all of the other GCSE students there to catch you. <laughs> Just the pub floor. Yeah. Just the pub floor, which in the end catches us all, does it Doesn't not? It? Yeah. it does indeed. Um, now, Susie, before we uh, get involved in your dream pub, this is not the first time, nor even the tenth time, nor probably the twentieth time that we three have all been in a pub together, is it? No, I think, did I meet both of you in a pub? I think I probably did, you know. I think, it, it, if my memory serves, it was the Hillgrove. I definitely met John for the first time in the Hillgrove. Yeah, big time. I, in, in many ways, I feel like I met myself for the first <laughs> yeah. time in the Hillgrove. Well, your first impressions of John, he was rapping, wasn't he? He was rapping. <laughs> I can really, I can still remember the words TikTok and spend. <laughs> you had these characters, um, DJ Clock and MC Time. That was the one. No, 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 it's DJ Clock and MC Coin. And Coin, I'm only remembering it. that now for yeah. the first time in like six years. DJ, DJ Clock and MC Time, TikTok and spend, yeah. <laughs> no, it, uh, wow. No, it was... It was I'm clock, I'm coin, tick-tock and spend. Put me in your pocket or give me to a friend. That was it. It's pretty good. It's good. Yeah. Well, it was the idea that MC Clock was a clock and DJ Coin was a coin. And they were sort of rapping about their relative um, sort of strengths and weaknesses. So it was almost (laughs) like a battle between what's better, a clock or a coin. (laughs) I genuinely think you were in the middle of talking about this when I arrived at the pub because that is... 100%. 100%. I feel like I arrived halfway through that conversation and yet I can still remember TikTok and spend, so it's catchy. Yeah. <laughs> it was catchy. I mean, what, so we're talking, it was like 2006, seven around that time, but the Hillgrove was the centre of all of our social lives. I mean, and I lived pretty much next door to it. Yeah. Well. It was dangerous times. <laughs> Back to play darts in that weird little alley. Oh, Yeah. With the bin bags. Oh, yeah, the bin bags. In the back, like, sort of behind my house, we put the bin bags in this little sort of long, thin corridor that had a dartboard at one end. That's right. So quite often after the pub, it would be come back and play darts in, with the bin bags. Yeah, great times, great memories. I mean, you know, um, yeah, so John was starting out in comedy. I was doing music and there was a rehearsal room down the road. And so what were you doing at the time in Bristol in, in, around that era? I think by that point I was working at the university um, as a research assistant. I don't think I'd started my PhD yet. I think I, I worked for a good four or five years doing sort of various sort of dog's body projects for loads of different people before I started my PhD. So probably at that time I was doing maybe language research. I think I was trying to find people who'd spoken Hindi or Zulu as children, but then not since, which was wow. challenging times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Susie, you've gone on to, you write for newspapers, you also uh, have, well, you've got your own podcast, Say Why to Drugs. When did you begin, because you, were you a lecturer in psychology? Yeah, so until very recently, I was um, lecturer and senior lecturer in yeah, psychology and epidemiology at, Brist- at, well, at Liverpool, and um, I used to teach medical students. But um, my PhD was looking at the links between recreational drug use and mental health. So I was sort of really interested in the effects of psychoactive substances. And that's why I started the PhD, the, the, the podcast. 
and the PhD. <laughs> yeah. Now, some people say uh, alcohol's a drug, but it's not a drug, it's a drink. Discuss. <laughs> oh, the best, the best quote <laughs> yeah. in the world. I really want, the, the episode about alcohol, I really, really wanted to start it with that, with that quote, because it's just sublime. Uh, but when, so when did the idea of starting a podcast, because you've sort of now made the move from academia to the media... When did the was that all did that all start with say why to drugs or is that was that always sort of something you 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 were looking to move towards? Yeah, well, I mean, I still I like I did all the media stuff kind of while I was an academic as well. It's very much kind of been alongside it, and it was partly because when I started my PhD, it was in particular looking at um, the effect of using cannabis and. I thought when I started the PhD that I knew a lot about the effects of cannabis. And actually, when I started reading the research papers, I realised there's so much misinformation about cannabis. And I was already working in a tobacco and alcohol research group. So I knew that there's also loads of information about like, misinformation about tobacco and alcohol as well. And so it's like, what can I can I do anything helpful in this space? And the thought of starting a podcast it seemed like quite fun as well and I just thought it was quite a good way because you can be really flexible about like the length of an episode so if there's loads of information about a particular substance you can have a longer episode if if it's one where actually there's hardly any research at all you can have a shorter episode and it just it lent itself really nicely to this kind of issue and actually but it was a really slow burner I had the idea and it was only like three or four years later that the sort of the way that because like meeting Scroobius Pip and kind of chatting to him about the idea was the catalyst to actually turn it from oh that'd be a, a good thing to do to something that was then out in the world I mean you say you say a podcast sounds like a fun thing try convincing Brian May to wear headphones <laughs> <laughs> absolute nightmare so what were some of the items of misinformation about alcohol, especially that you? Because I recently interviewed David Nutt, who I'm sure you you may even have interviewed yourself or spoken to, because he's such an incredible guy to chat to about this sort of thing. But what surprised you in your research into alcohol? Oh God, there's so there's so many like mis sort of things we think we know about alcohol, but actually the evidence really doesn't back it up at all. Like sort of getting different drunk on different types of alcohol or sort of hangover cures that's an amazing one that so many different suggested a friend of mine um she's sort of her main research area is hangovers and it's just fascinating talking to her about sort of all of the stuff that we think we know about hangover cures and and like why do we sometimes get really bad hangovers when we think we've drunk exactly the same as on a night when we didn't get hangover at all you know all of this kind of thing how alcohol affect mood and sort of the links between alcohol and mental health I think loads of us and I've definitely done this in the past as well kind of use alcohol to self-medicate when actually it's probably not a good idea it's probably in the like short term it seems like a great idea and, and long term it's almost certainly sort of exacerbating a problem. Susie why do you think it is that there's so little information about alcohol because I could understand it with like an Ill illegal drug. People might want to sort of not give, you know, too much information in a sort of backward way of sort of not wanting to encourage people to use it or whatever, or give it sort of too much press. But we know less about a, a can of beer that we buy in a shop than we would about a sandwich. So wh what do you think it is that, is, is it lobbying from the alcohol industry that they don't want too much information about the ill effects to go out? What, why is it that we are so in the dark about booze? I mean, 
there's probably loads of answers to that and I don't know which one is sort of the real one I think what you're saying about sort of the power of the alcohol industry is pretty like it's a pretty powerful thing and even sort of organizations like drink aware which claim to be independent do broadly get their funding from the alcohol industry um so the sort of information that they give out while it can be useful it's sort of there's always that sort of slight wonder of how how what aren't they saying as well but also i think part of it is is us sort of fooling ourselves like the media and the public really jump on any study that suggests that alcohol might be in any way good for us. So those stories a few years ago about red wine being good for us and that kind of thing, it's like loads of people sharing it going, I'll drink to that, etc. And I think it's just because we really want it to not be as bad for us as it probably is, because it's something that lots of us like to do is to drink. And so partly like the podcast is mainly about saying, do what you want to do, but sort of be informed about the risks. Kind of don't kid yourself. Mm. But we're sort of there's we're in a ludicrous contradiction where I read David Nutt's book called Drink. I read it a couple of times now, and a scientific fact is that if you drink a hundred units of alcohol a week, which is an extraordinarily high amount of alcohol, very damaging amount, if you halve that to fifty units a week, you are doing much. You, you are protecting yourself much more than reducing from 50 to zero. Now, that's not necessarily saying that drinking 50 units a week is in any way healthy, but that sort of, you would think it's quite a basic fact about harm reduction from alcohol use. Why is it, why am I having to go to like a sort of a scientific book to find that out? Surely that should sort of come on the packet. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it, I think it should. Well, uh, let's talk about your favourite drinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice well, segue. I always have a big argument with Ellis. He he claims that certain drinks give him worse hangovers than others. Is that complete nonsense? Well, so I heard you talking about this on another episode, and there was a word that you were struggling for, and it's the word is congeners. So, oh yeah, the things that you get in brandy. Yeah, so in dark spirits, and there's there's some evidence, but it's not particularly convincing. I think, and like I think you explained it really eloquently that it's actually thank you i mean as per obvs uh but <laughs> there's um the different alcohols you tend to drink in different occasions and in different ways and so like you think oh tequila i get really really bad hangovers it's probably because when you decide to drink tequila you're going for it right you're having that kind of a night um and it's like I, but i can drink gin and I'm absolutely fine and but it might be that you drink gin mostly at home and there is a weird thing where sort of there is an environmental effect that people do seem to be able to drink more alcohol in certain settings where they're kind of there's like an expectation that there's going to be alcohol compared to in other settings so if you and you see this with loads of different substances you see it with things like heroin as well that people when they're if they use heroin in an environment where they're you like they quite often use heroin they can take more, whereas if they use it in a novel environment, they might be more likely to overdose on the same amount. It's it's really not very well, un- well, it's not understood at all. Like, how on earth does the body sort of know and prepare by, like, environmental cues? But that's they're pretty strong for alcohol. It's one of the reasons why people are quite worried about the idea of putting alcohol in like pubs in motorway service stations, for example, is because the kind of the cues around alcohol could potentially, for people who are... Um, sort of dependent on alcohol or have a kind of not ideal relationship with alcohol seeing those cues might then make it much harder to sort of 
say no if if they're right there you might think oh well, i can just have one can't i and then if you're on a motorway that's really not ideal if you're driving and and the, i suppose as well what you, there's a kind of placebo effect involved with drinking isn't there i mean there have been tests done with people drinking drinks that they think have alcohol in but that, that don't and then they appear drunk so there is a huge social thing going on as well isn't there yeah absolutely and i know when i first started like going to the pub and not drinking I'm not sober. I just um, sometimes some I have gone through periods of not drinking in the past, and I quite often found that I would go to the pub not drinking, but I would still feel kind of like I would like my excitement levels over the evening would kind of grow in the same way that they would if you were drinking, or like you know you'd start to feel sort of more like giggly or silly or whatever, even though I was still exactly the same amount of sober. And then they reached a point where I like how I was feeling would diverge from the people who were drinking. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a very familiar feeling from dry January, I think, for me, that kind of, you get this kind of intensity of like, I'm doing so well, we're not drinking, that you kind of get giddy. And then, yeah, it starts to diverge and you realise people are just saying the same stories over and over again. Yeah, it gets (laughs) quite boring. No offence to the drunk people. Is that not realising that social interaction is good and, and, and gives you sort of endorphins in the same way that you know, alcohol might, but you just don't know because you've never been to a pub without drinking before. I mean, that's the most British thing. If you're socialising, you must be drunk. If you're celebrating something, if you're commiserating something, it's like, alcohol will be there. So when you imagine your dream pub, Susie, what are the sort of uh, influences that loom large? Because obviously we talked about the Hillgrove in Bristol, which is a big touchstone pub for all of us, I think. Um, but you grew up not far from where I am now in Missenden. That's right. Yeah, yeah. What are the what are the, what pubs there formed the uh, foundations of your p- pub psychology? So weirdly, in Great Missenden, didn't really go to any pubs. But then Little Kings Hill, there was a pub kind of at the top of our road. It was called the Full Moon, and it had a really nice pub garden with a little like climbing frame swings in it, and. We used to go there a lot when I was little, and actually in Little Missenden as well, which is like halfway between where I grew up in Amersham, uh, there's a really gorgeous pub called the Red Lion, which has got a really lovely garden. The garden's got a river that runs through it and a bridge that you can walk over, and there used to be a pig that lived on the other side of the bridge, so you could go and see the pig while you were having your lunch. It was Wow. And would the pig give you a riddle with that kind of thing? Yeah, <laughs> and if you solved the riddle, it would take you to, like, this mystical land. It was awesome. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's a, like... Saturday pub lunches were a sort of staple of growing up and there are some really really lovely pubs in that part of the world like country pubs with like beautiful gardens but then when you go in they're all like dark and low ceilings and little little snug rooms and little nooks and crannies and things it is it is a big pub lunch part of the world (laughs) I have to say and I I mean that just doesn't float my boat. Not bec- I don't have anything against them, but because I just don't. A I t- tend not to drink in the day, like in the daytime, but also I find I really struggle to drink with food. So a pub lunch is sort of my worst nightmare in a mad <laughs> way because it's too early for me to drink. So it's just a lunch for me, a pub lunch. But with some beer that you're not going to have right there taunting you. Well, with the beer that like. You know, you, the, that first beer before a big meal is so nice. And then once the meal comes, it's just, oh, it's just like, oh, well, I don't really fancy it anymore. I'm too full. Whereas Robin, he can have five pints with a curry. <sighs> yeah, but do I finish the curry? You finish the pints. Yeah. <laughs>
Hello, I'm Jess Phillips, an MP, and if you don't already know, I'm now a fully-fledged podcaster. My show is called Yours Sincerely, and in each episode, I invite a guest to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. I've spoken to Lorraine Kelly about the letter she would send to celebrate her favourite teacher, Vicky Patterson about the letter she would send to her best friend who passed away, and Fee Glover talked to me about how much she loves Taylor Swift. The conversations are a celebration of people we love, and so we often find ourselves in tears of joy and sadness as guests share the letters of appreciation they wish they could send. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching for Jess Phillips wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that, I'll sign off with yours sincerely, Jess Phillips. I hope you get to enjoy my podcast soon. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, we will find out whether your pub uh, features pub lunches. But let's uh, before we, you describe your pub, let's get your first two choices uh, underway. What would be your draft items, Susie? OK, number one is Big Drop Galactic Stout. Huh! I don't actually know if you can get it on draft, but it's my imaginary pub, so yeah. it's happening. Um, that, that, I think I'm right in saying... So Big Drop is an alcohol-free uh, beer company... I've got I got a feeling that Big Drop Galactic Stout won an award for best stout mm-hmm. up against mm-hmm. alcoholic stouts. True. Is that right? True fact. Yeah, and it is so good. So we uh, Emma Inch, who's been on this show, also came on the Five Live show I did, and she she may even have been on the panel, um, but I'm not sure. I. Yeah, I tasted it. It's absolutely delicious. Yeah, it's so good. It's a milk stout. Nice. Are you on, are you on the alcohol free? Because you know you're you're a relatively new mother. You've got a one year old. Uh, so was that kind of were you, were you obviously? You mean you were obviously not drinking while you were pregnant? But did it kind of was it a bit like that? You, you kind of as being a mother affected your drinking? I suppose is what I'm trying to say. 
Um, yeah, although, to be honest, what's affected my drinking more is there being loads of really, really good alcohol-free beers available. Because yeah. mm. I think if that had been the case earlier in my life, I probably would have drunk less alcohol more, if that makes sense. Like, I would have gone out and had, like, a booze pint, an alcohol-free pint, a bo- like, you know, sort of mix things up a bit, because... I'm quite I've always been quite a lightweight and um I've always had quite bad hangovers and but I really really love going to the pub it's like yeah. my favorite place to be of an evening yeah. so I would just go and drink because that's what people did and actually and because when it was the case that all you could get was sort of soft drinks were like fizzy drinks that cost basically the same as a pint and were really sugary and just disgusting i sort of i felt like morally indignant about paying that much for a soft drink when i could just pay the same amount for a pint so i would just drink a pint and feel wretched the next day uh, so the big drop galactic stout it won uh the world beer awards 2020 it won the best flavored low alcohol but it also won the it was the country winner so I think it won the World Beer Awards 2020, which is extraordinary for an alcohol-free beer. Where did you first come across it, Susan? Oh, I don't even know. I don't... Hmm. I think... So I'm, I get this alcohol-free beer subscription through the post done by this guy on Instagram whose name is Robin. And um, I think it might have been one in that, but it might. I think I might have just heard, like, I've tried a few big drop... There's loads of different ones and they're all really good. There's one... Oh, I can't... It's called Something Pines and it's got like a sort of teal kind of logo, but that is a really refreshing, crisp, delicious. Um, I see that like a pale ale type thing, I think. Um, and I, I was never a massive stout person, <laughs> as it were. But um, but this, yeah, the Galactic Milk Stout is just absolutely gorgeous. I think there's alcohol-free stouts... It must work quite well because there's loads of them. I tried a really amazing peanut butter crunch one the other day that was just delicious as well. Yeah. Uh, so what would be your second choice on draft? Right, I have to make a decision now because I've got two two options. I think I'm going to go for... So I was going to go for Doom Bar, but Doom Bar drunk looking at the Doom Bar bar of sand in a bar called the Doom Bar in uh, 2000. So it's very specific because, like, Doom Bar now, it's not quite, I don't know, I'm I'm a sort of old-school Doom Bar person. And that was what I was going to pick until, like, when, when Mother's Day, which was, like, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, we went to a local brewery who were doing a like mother's day sort of thing in the brewery tap room where they had you got a free drink when you arrived and there was dumplings for sale and then they also had morris dancing so it's like right we've got to go and introduce elliot my son to morris dancing and um i had their mosaic which is called carmen the brewery is called carnival so that is going to be my second pick nice so it's carnival carmen. carnival brewery the beer is called carmen and it's a mosaic ipa is that an ipa i think it is an ipa so i think yeah it's like mosaics are, are hops, a hop yeah. isn't it i'm going to look this up in my mind because i've never heard of the carnival brewery before I think they might be relatively new, but they've got quite a few. They did, certainly, or maybe they're just quite local to Liverpool at the moment. But right, it was so refreshing, so delicious. 
just confirming in my mind that I was born in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's also like all of their beers seem to be like six or seven percent. And this one was four or just under four. So that's why oh, okay. I went for it. <laughs> nice. Do they have uh, quite um, sort of jaunty, uh, cartoony labels? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, uh, the the tasting notes, I mean, I'm glad you've chosen Carmen over Doombar. The, the tasting notes um, are quite extraordinary. Uh, this batch gives you dank notes of ripe pineapple, guava and peach on the nose, with blueberry, slight bubblegum and waves of peach on the palate. The last thing you'd want was t- more than slight bubblegum, <laughs> I would yeah, say. Yeah, I, I must say I didn't get bubblegum. Did you not get bubblegum? I got slight bubblegum. Yeah, it's definitely fruity. That is a well-known tasting note, though. Hogarden's got a, a touch of the bubblegums about it, I would say. Do you reckon it has, though? Mm. Which which existed first? Well, this is it, isn't it? Well, it is it. Which came first, the Hogarden or the slight note of bubblegum? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so far we have in Susie Gage's Dream Pub, Big Drop Galactic Stout on Draft and Carnival Carmen Mosaic Pale Ale. And Susie, you've got two bottles and or cans. What you going for? Okay, first off, I'm going for Anchor Steam and I think I'm going for their Liberty Ale, I think it is. So when I was in, I went to, in fact, the same time as I got the genome testing as a gift at a conference, I went out to San Francisco and stayed in a really ridiculous, like, rock and roll hotel in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. And um, we would just stay there for a couple of nights before we went to this conference, which was actually at, at Google, hence why we got 23andMe genome sequencing as a gift from the conference. It was very... Yeah, now they've probably uploaded your genome and selling it to the blid Boris Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) They, I mean, you joke, but there were quite a lot of Americans at that conference who were like, there is no way I am sending them my genetic information. Whereas all the Brits were like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> There's probably the another, another Susie Gage working in San Francisco for Google as we speak. That's probably what they're doing. It's quite a good idea for a programme if Cloning you're Cloning us all. Ch- Charlie Brooker. It's like an episode of Black Mirror, or it's like all episodes of Black Mirror. <laughs> but yeah, so we were staying in this hotel in the Tenderloin, and um, there was just... they. That one morning at breakfast, they went, oh, by the way, there's like a beer festival happening by the pool this afternoon. And because because you're staying in the hotel, you could just go to it for free. I think I've stayed at this hotel, you know. Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like it's the fame. It's the famous hotel in the Tenderloin. But yeah, so there was like loads of California breweries all had little stalls and that Anchor Steam one, I just, I'd got to try like four or five different types of Anchor Steam and uh, so it was all so good, but I'm, I'm going for the Liberty Ale. The Phoenix? I reckon it was the Phoenix. It was the Phoenix. It was the Phoenix. Anchor Steam is a fantastic 
San Franciscan beer. So is the Liberty one, is that the kind of darker one? Yeah. I say? yeah. Mm. It's a whopping 5.9%. Mm. But it's only a small bottle, so... <laughs> It'll probably uh, unsequence your genome if you have to. Yeah. <laughs> What's the meaning of steam? Then when Because <laughs> it was to do with the way they make it, isn't it? Steam beer. I mean, it's a question I should have known the answer to before asking. Is there another? There's a brewery in Toronto at the bottom of um, the Space Needle. That's called something Steam, isn't it, as well? Or is it not? Great anecdote. <laughs> I did a brewery tour of that when I was at another conference um, in Toronto. That That's also very nice beer. Steam beer is a highly effervescent beer made by fermenting lager yeasts at warmer ale yeast fermentation temperatures. So there we go. Historically produced in California, which is why you get Anchor Steam. Story checks out. Yeah. Uh, so your second bottle or can, please, Susie. It's um, Brooklyn Lager Special Effects. Oh, I've got some in my fridge. It's, oh, that was one of the first alcohol-free beers I tried where I was like, hang on, this is actually a viable life choice now <laughs> because nanny state was just ugh. the aftertaste it has is just ugh. it's quite resiny nanny state yeah. isn't it it's quite soapy then special effects it's like oh this is quaffable mm. very quaffable yeah you really can you really can neck uh, a special effects and my top tip is if you are triggered by frying onions into opening your first can just reach for a special effects and it gets you through that onion phase the onion phase yes the onion doldrums yeah <laughs> i was i was unable to escape the onion phase tonight i had such good intentions of of being sans cans onions but it just becomes quite automatic when when they begin to fry it really does make a difference to the day. I, I had this the other day where I was, you know, just had a very boring Sunday and was doing some, you know, housework. I just started frying an onion and it was immediately the day got better. It's sort of something about the combo of onions and cans that says, it's okay, you're done. It's okay. It's it okay, is. It's, bro. Well, this is what we're talking about with the self-medication, the kind of reward system. It is just that sign of your brain where it's like, right, today's done. I'm, folk I'm on tea. Let's relax, you know? I, I, I honestly don't think if I was frying anything else, it would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because onions take such a lovely long time to cook, isn't it? And they smell amazing. It's like the, that, the olfactory system is so attached to emotion as well. It's like the sort of the madelines and all of that shenanigans. It's like smells are really evocative so once it's linked old Pavlov he knew what he was talking about I think if I was frying onions and a woman wearing an ex-girlfriend's perfume walked past the the window whilst rain fell on hot tarmac yeah I don't think there's enough cans in the world that could sort <laughs> of uh, could save me from from the despair <laughs> Of nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. And onions. Mm. I'm reading Proust at the moment. It's very good. Oh, right. Was was that Proust? Well, the Madeleine is Proust, isn't it? You know, it has oh, a dip I of... I thought you were talking about the cakes. Yeah, the cakes, yeah. Yeah, he oh. has a little bit of cake in, in tea, and it just transports... And 4,000 pages later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it transports him back to childhood. The taste and the smell is just oh. so evocative, you know. Like in the Ratatouille? Yeah, 
Ian Rush, um, Proust Ian Rush. Who's the most nostalgic footballer? Proust Ian Rush. In Ratatouille, it was Ian Rush inside the chef's hat. I never knew. <laughs> yeah, I haven't it. seen it. <laughs> yeah, so that's why the chef was so good at football, but a terrible cook. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of uh, facts, uh, it's now time uh, to head over to the Moon Underwater pub quiz with the lovely Robin Allender. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Welcome to this week's Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. No phones, no Googling, because you're just Googling yourself. As ever, I will ask three questions and I'll provide the answers in part two. This week, our guest is a scientist, so it's a science quiz. Chemistry. Not just the name of the classic 2005 Girls Aloud album, but also the scientific study of the properties and behaviour of matter that includes the elements that make up matter to the compounds composed of atoms, molecules and ions, their composition, structure, properties, behaviour and the changes they undergo during a reaction with other, sub- other substances. Um, how are you on chemistry? <laughs> um... <laughs> John? How oh, are you me? On chem- yeah, well, either of you, yeah. Um, I... Uh, no, I... Uh, well, I did. I did okay in chemistry. I didn't go any further with it. I just have similar problem with physics: is that I can't imagine shapes I can't see. It's a very profound point. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. But like when you're talking about like molecules with moles and little what are the little arms on them? Bonds. Bonds, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I just couldn't get. I just thought it's too small. How's that in water? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very good book I just read, that When We Cease to Understand the World, where he's, he's talking about that. That's one of the hardest things of science, is describing things in a way that understandable things you can't see, or that are beyond perception, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's very much what I'm doing with my quiz. Um, <laughs> Susie, you're, you're a big pub quiz fan. We often did the quiz in the Hillgrove. You, d- you did the quiz yourself a few times, didn't you? Um, no, I don't think I did. I oh, mean, really? I remember John's quizzes. Yes, John's quizzes were quite... <laughs> Notorious that the old serial killers round, isn't it? As a, as a date walked in, the one I can remember is um, the music round where you had to name the country or was it the, the city? It was sort of a geogra- geography with Barcelona and then like pretended it was a mistake as like a bit, <laughs> it was a little bit. It was very funny to be. Wasn't fair. there one of them where you had to say how many times you'd cried during a doing song the or centurion? <laughs> that was a that was a like was that a, a tiebreaker round? Like after. After how many minutes did you cry? <laughs> a guesstimation round. How many times did I cry in an event that happened five years ago that no one was at? But Susie, I remember you winning the quiz I set that had the Harry Potter round, oh. which really, really annoyed a lot of the regulars. Anyway, the quiz is about the periodic table. You ever hear of that? <laughs> you know the Tom Lehrer song? Anyway, let's move on. Question one. What is the chemical symbol for your friend and mine? Tin. What's the chemical symbol for tin? Question two. How many naturally occurring noble gases are there in the periodic table? Can you name any of them or all of them? Noble gases. What are we saying? Question three. Of the 118 known elements, how many of them are known to occur naturally on Earth? So some of them are man-made, you know. Um, so those are your three questions. Any repeats? 
It's a good quiz, man. No, no repeats from me. Any repeats from you, Suze? No, I mean, I didn't write any answers down, but <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's all up here, isn't it? It'll be fine. I don't <laughs> yeah. know any of the answers, so. <laughs> well, folks, you're going to leave us here in the moon underwater to uh, deliberate and cogitate of those answers. Uh, we will see you back in part two. But just a reminder to head to patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod to support this ancient pub because the bills are racking up, aren't they, Rob? That toilet. Oh, nothing to do with me. Oh, no, 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 no. There's no problem in the toilet. But uh, it it just, the moon underwater created eight more toilets. So obviously, you know, you've got to, you've got to provide toilet roll, hand wash, Dyson air blades. No, no Dysons. We're not having Dysons in the moon underwater. Are we not? No. What are we having? Just air makers. Oh, well, the moon underwater could probably arrange that itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a sort of vortex in the yeah. corner. Okay, yeah, okay, fine. Well, we'll save a bit of money on the air blades. Uh, we will see you back in part two. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.